to go ahead and get started tonight. If y'all want to come on in and have a seat, we are so happy that you're here. Isn't it good tonight to be able to assemble when it's not below freezing outside? Uh, so that's good. That's a blessing. But we are glad that you're here tonight, and we are honored to have uh, folks visiting with us here. And we want you to know how glad we are that you've come our way. Uh, tonight is our Wednesday night Bible study. I want to remind the teens that we will not be meeting tonight. You need to remain here uh, in the auditorium, so please remember that. Uh, I've got a couple of updates on the sick that I want to pass along to you. Uh, McKaylee Owens needs our prayers. Uh, she's going to have some possible surgery on an injured knee. Also, we want to express our sympathy to Ella Davis and her family in the recent passing of her grandfather. Also, uh, Cassie Davis Stewart uh, had elbow surgery this afternoon. We need to remember her in our prayers. And of course, Brother Eddie Mooney is scheduled to have surgery uh, on Wednesday uh, at Memphis. So we want to remember him in our prayers as well. I want to make sure I didn't leave anything out in regard to the sick. I've uh, got some wonderful news to pass along to you tonight as well. We're happy to announce that Micah, Michael, and Mary Dooley, along with their three children, uh, Charlie, Emma, Audrey, and Joseph, uh, desire to worship and work with us here at the Boonville Congregation. And I'm going to ask them, they're sitting on the back, just to stand up in case you don't know who they are. Y'all can just real quick stand up and then you can sit down. And if you've not had a chance to meet uh, Michael and Mary and their children, please do so. Uh, they're just a joy, and it's going to be an honor to have them as a part of our congregation. I believe that's all the announcements that I have tonight. Now, we did have a very sad announcement on Sunday. If you were here this coming Sunday, it was announced that uh, Brother JT did not get what he wanted for Christmas. He did not get his John Deere. And that's bothered me a lot. It's bothered several of you. And so, tonight we're going to remedy that. We've got a John Deere. So JT's happy, everybody's happy now, good. All right, uh, for our devotional tonight, uh, Jeremy Jones is gonna be leading our singing and Brother Luther Mormon uh, will uh, dismiss us in prayer. If you would turn to number 909 and mark that, that'll be our song of invitation. 909, there's a fountain free. Once you have that marked, we'll sing number 716. We'll do the first and last verse. Sing to me of heaven. Sing to me of heaven, sing that song of peace from the
Happy New Year are words and it's an expression that we often throw about, but do we actually mean it? As we think about this year coming to a close and undertaking a new year, is your life one that truly is filled with joy? Now, if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, you have many reasons to be joyful. I hope you realize that. I think you do. But just a few brief reasons why you need to be joyful. First of all, and most important of all, all your sins have been forgiven. When you came up out of the watery grave of baptism, you had complete, total forgiveness of all your past sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. And if you have remained faithful, all your sins are continually and constantly cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, 1 John 1 and verse 7. So you think about what joy that ought to bring to you to know that your sins are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Also, if you're a Christian tonight, all your prayers are being answered. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says wait a while. Or maybe God says, you know, I have a better idea. But in all cases, if you're a faithful Christian, God hears your prayers. And each answer is for your eventual best outcome. Romans 8 and 28 tells us that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. I think about another blessing of being a Christian is the fact that God will draw near to us. Sadly, I often hear people, even Christians say, I just feel like sometimes that, that God doesn't care. I just don't feel like that God is close to me. Sometimes I feel like maybe that God doesn't like me. But you know, we turn to passages all throughout Scripture. For example, in the Old Testament, the Bible says you will seek him and find him when you search for him with your whole heart. Jeremiah 29 and verse 13. Uh, even a passage in the New Testament tells us in Hebrews 2 and verse 1 that we need to pay the most careful attention to what we've heard lest at any time we let them slip or we drift away. God is near to us. He wants us to have a relationship with him. And it's a wonderful blessing that we can know that God is always there for us when we need him. Now, of course, we could go on for the rest of the night talking about all the reasons to be joyful in Christ Jesus as we think about the new year. But I want you to remember this, as this is the last time we will assemble in 2022. True joy is only found in Christ. And there's no true joy at all, no true peace that can be found outside of Christ. And so as we think about the old year ending and the new year beginning, I want to ask you tonight the question, are you a Christian? Do you know the joy in Christ because your sins have been forgiven? I can't think of a better way to end this year and to begin a new year than by becoming a child of God. And tonight you can do that if you're willing to allow and demonstrate your faith in Jesus Christ by repenting of your sins, by confessing his name that he is the son of God. And tonight you can be baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. You can leave this building tonight forgiven of every sin you've ever committed. Or maybe tonight you did that one time, but maybe your faith has become weak. Maybe you haven't been faithful to God as you need to be this year. It may be that you need to come tonight, maybe acknowledging wrong, repenting of it. We can go to God in prayer and you once again can be effective and fruitful in the Lord's kingdom. And so tonight, if we can help you in any way, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing.
1015. That'll be the song after Brother Luther leads us in prayer. 1015. the nation we seem like this and open our word and study from it father and we pray for our teachers tonight that they will give them a good remembrance of the things they prepared to study and we pray through this study our faith will grow we're thankful father for every member makes up the congregation and pray for those that are sick for those that are having surgery father ask thee that would help them be with them take care of them father we're thankful for our homes, for our health and our happiness. Thank the Father for salvation we have through Jesus Christ. In his name we do pray. Amen. This time our teachers may uh, depart to prepare for class. And while they're leaving, we'll sing number 1015. Jesus loves the little children. Jesus loves the That's right. You got at least try, right? <laughs> well, I hope that satisfies your craving. <laughs> uh, that was pretty good. All right, it's great to see you. Um, hope you've had a, a wonderful week. And so glad that despite probably heavy schedules that you've chosen to be a part of our study here tonight. We always begin by looking over our list of sick folks it's a reminder of people we ought to be praying for, but also just an opportunity, if you haven't done so already, to jot down some names to add to your personal prayer list. And some of these will be new names, so certainly you'll want to be praying for them. Irene Baker is Melinda Hester's mother. She has terminal cancer. Martha Eaton's still recovering with her foot, but she's doing great, and uh, we rejoice that the bone in her foot's healed. Austin Wentz is undergoing a long series of treatments with chemotherapy. Don Dawson is not well. Uh, Wade Davis is still missing. 
since June 22nd. So that's over six months now. Carolyn Wilcutt's recovering. Bobby Petty has lung cancer. Doug's dad, Kelby Smith, is not well. Cody McGee's recovering from his foot surgery and is, seems to be doing pretty well. A Chopper Taylor is still suffering. Larry Kennedy has a mass in his shoulder, undergoing tests for that. Danny Romdahl, one of our missionaries, has kidney failure. Van Roberts has pancreatic cancer. Paul Rollison has brain cancer. Lex Crossan has a lot of health issues. Joan and Martha's sister Norma is not well. Tony Presley has leukemia. Marty Woodruff has cancer. Uh, Lynn Barragon is here, and she's recovering from her broken arm. Patsy Bain's recovering from total hip replacement surgery. Eli Johnson's going to be undergoing several treatments for cancer. Jackie Lambert's Dale's sister, she's having surgery the first of the year. Teresa Taylor is at Landmark again. The McBrayer family remember them as their child Micah's at St. Jude with leukemia. Kim Fowler's cousin, Michelle McCann, recently had open heart bypass surgery. She lives in Murfreesboro. Sue Mason's grandson, Hayden, is doing a lot better. He's been, been a pretty sick little fella. Eddie Mooney has lung cancer. He's going to be having a surgery on January the 3rd. He had a stress test on Tuesday. It went well, so as far as we know, everything's on schedule, and I'm sure he's anxious to get that over with. Bryson Lambert is Susan Lambert's son, uh, has been in the ICU with COVID. Merle Crow still uh, around here, <laughs> but he had surgery on his hand, carpal tunnel surgery, and also had surgery on the lip. And I think the lip's the one that's bothering you, isn't it? So don't make him talk too much, okay? Be very sympathetic. Uh, Brenda has been sick with COVID. There she is, though. She says she feels great. So I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Joyce Morris, uh, she had her gallbladder removed but fell. I remember her and her recovery. Uh, Cassie Stewart, as was mentioned, had additional uh, surgery on her elbow. It wasn't healing right. You know, she just got it out of the cast. And hopefully this is going to help her in her healing. Ella Davis's grandfather, Billy Dale Davis, died from a gunshot wound. So... Remember that family. I think it's going to be several weeks before there is a funeral. Kim Brazel's mother, Carla Johnson, has COVID, and I think maybe also uh, the dad, too. Yeah, there you are. Okay, so both of them have it. All right. Um, Linda Shirley, who is Martha Tyra and Evelyn Floyd's sister-in-law, is very ill right now. And our daughter-in-law, um, Whitney, she's got, what is it? Bad cold. We're always suspicious of that, aren't we? Some kind of respiratory something or other. But she's due with our little grandbaby, a boy, Elijah. Elijah. <laughs> uh, he's coming January the 2nd. Uh, you know, give or take, <laughs> but uh, we're very excited about that. Okay, do you have anybody else you want to add to the list? Oh, yes. Okay. I'm just going to say sick. Crud's too technical. Okay, yes. All right. Sorry to hear that. She seemed like she was doing great. But we'll get her in good shape, I'm sure. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. Usually we tell him that 
Evan and Tori are in Tupelo expecting twins tonight. Oh! <coughs> Tori Payne. Who? Tori Payne. Tori. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tori. That's great. Is she in labor right now? Wow. Were they going to take them tonight? <laughs> okay, that's a set arrival. It's in the dump, book dump. Okay, well, well, wow. We'll definitely pray about that. Man, that's exciting. Yes, Brenda. Is that right, Don Davidson? Okay. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we're going to do the best we can. Pray for them. And um, God hears our prayers, doesn't He? Doesn't He? Yes, He does. All right, bow with me, please. Our Father in heaven, thank you for a great day today. Thank you for these much warmer temperatures and as much as there were some calamities that came with the cold and even reports of uh, deaths in other places, we're still very grateful, Father, for your protection over us and for the um, as little as possible damage that was done in our area. And we still pray for those who are as yet having water problems, but we just thank you, Lord, uh, for what you provided for us. And thank you for uh, this good time in the year, we're with family and friends and just enjoying our associations together. And thank you, Lord, for the church, for all that it means to us as members of it. We thank you for our own health and strength. And some who've been sick or injured or had surgeries are already back and we're thankful for their recovery. But there are still some who languish in affliction and we're praying your blessings on them, Father. We pray for Irene Baker, that she'll have good days, and we pray that there'll be good quality days with her family. We pray that Martha Eaton's going to have a full recovery from her foot surgery from so long ago. Bless Austin Wentz as he undergoes his treatments. Bless Don Dawson with good days. We pray for the Davis family in Wade's missing, and we pray that this family can experience some closure Bless Carolyn Wilcutt and her recovery. Bless Bobby Petty as he battles lung cancer. Be with Kelby Smith that he'll have good days and that his health will remain good. We pray for Cody and his recovery that he can be back to work soon. Bless Chopper Taylor that he can find long-term relief from his suffering. We pray for Larry Kennedy and his treatment. For Danny Ramdahl as he... It receives treatment or medication. We pray for Van Roberts, who has pancreatic cancer. Bless Paul Rollison, who's in the throes of brain cancer. We pray for Lex Crossan and his health issues. Bless Norma, that her health would get better. Pray for Tony Presley, who's battling leukemia. For Marty Woodruff, who has cancer. We're thankful that Lynn is able to be with us, and we pray that she'll have relief from discomfort she has along with a broken bone. Pray for Patsy Bain and her recovery that it'll be full. Bless Eli Johnson in the treatments he's receiving. Bless Jackie Lambert as she prepares for surgery. We pray for Teresa Taylor and her adjustment to living at Landmark. Please be with the Brer family as Micah has leukemia. We pray for Kim's cousin, Michelle, who had open heart surgery. We pray she's doing well, recovering as she should. We are thankful that Hayden's doing so much better, and it's great to see Sue back, who's been ill of late, and we just pray that family will have a good spell of uh, health among them. We pray for Eddie Mooney as he's to have surgery next week, 
and we pray that it is successful in ridding his body of this cancer. Pray for Bryson Lambert in recovery from COVID. Bless Merle Crow that his hand will respond well and he'll not have any problems from that. We also pray that you'll give him relief from the discomfort he has with the surgery on his lip. We're thankful that Brenda's back with us and the indication that she feels great. And we're thankful for her recovery. Bless Joyce Morris as she recovers and we pray she can be back with us soon. Bless Cassie Stewart that the surgery she had today is going to be exactly what she needed to promote healing in her elbow. And we pray that she'll have a full recovery with a good movement and use in her arm again. We pray for Ella and the death of her grandfather in these terrible circumstances. We pray for comfort for her and for their family. We pray for Kim Brazel's parents who both have COVID and we pray that it'll be a light case and whatever it is, we just pray the results will be good and they'll be well soon. We pray for Linda Shirley, who's very ill. We pray for her recovery soon. Bless Whitney Forrest, who's not feeling well, but expecting soon. We pray that all will go well for her. We pray for Savannah, who's not feeling well tonight that she'll get better quickly and uh, be back to the things she enjoys doing. We pray for Marley as her arm isn't healing as was expected. And we just pray that whatever can be done for it will be done and that she'll be back on track. And also pray for this other condition that's developed with her. We pray that she'll get relief from whatever's causing her to black out. We pray for Tori who is in labor, perhaps even in this moment. And we just pray for safety for her and for the babies that are being born into this world. Uh, we just rejoice in that with them. We pray for Don Dawson's mother, who's very sick with blood clots. We pray those can be broken up and that she will be well soon too. We ask, Father, that you'll be with us as we continue our study of things related to the church and help us be able to put these things together in a, a simple, understandable way so that we can grasp how precious, important the church is and of our part in it. And thank you for the blessing that all that is. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. All right. Teenagers, yes, CYC? Exposure, okay, they're on a trip, so yeah. We're, well, okay, well, we, we pray that all of them are going to return to us too and have a great experience. Okay, so we're going to... Get in gear now and encourage you to have your Bibles ready. I know that Hollywood's got his Bible ready. He is just going to be jamming out those scriptures here tonight. So we look forward to hearing that melody that comes out of his mouth as it's processed through. <laughs> what? Just trying to keep you happy there, brother. Keep you going. All right. Okay, so the thing about the church a thing about the church is just how precious it is in the plan of God. And we want to be reminded there, Rick, from Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. If you'll read that text for us again. Tells us something about just how special it really is. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church. 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay, what's going to stand against the coming of the church? Nothing. Not even Jesus' death. In fact, the death is going to be the mechanism by which what happens? Shedding of blood and washing away of sins. And as we're going to see here in a moment, the purchasing of the church. He purchased the church with his own blood. Now, talk about special. What about 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10? Told you, you're going to be zigging and zagging. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not, had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Apart from God, who are you? You're, you're, yeah, you can say lost or a lot of different things, but you're, you're nobody apart from God. God's made possible, you could be a part of what? Okay, a part of, part of the church, his, his family. It's, it's his. We become, we go from being nothing on the outside to being on the inside in fellowship with God. That, that is the thing that Jesus is talking about when he talks about the establishment of his church. So what was it bought with? I mentioned... Um, this text from Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Okay, so you shepherds, you be sure that you watch over this because it's important. Why is the church so important? What was the purchase price? The blood of Jesus Christ. Question, just incidentally, just for you individually, that blood important to you? Because it does what? It, it washes your sins away. Okay, now, when your sins have been washed away, we're going to find out here, as we have done before, that will add you to what? So, bing, bang, boom, what washed your sins away also made possible what? What it is that we're added to. Yes, he purchased it with his own blood. And then this text, and this is a beautiful text from Ephesians 5 because it shows, we know about the husband and wife relationship and about how intimate and beautiful that should be. There's a correlation that he makes between what you might know about that and what God instituted, and then about the relationship between Christ, Christ and his church. But this text in particular, what does that say? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. How much did Jesus love the church? That he gave himself for her. He died for her. You say, Jesus died for me. Yes, he did. But when you obey the gospel... When you take advantage of him dying for you and you have your sins washed away, what happens to you? You're in the church. And what is it about that church? It's his, in this case, it's his bride, yes? So there's the head. Christ is the head of the body, just as the husband is the head of the wife. The precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without Blemish and without spot. Absolutely. And what about that lamb? He's the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. How did he do that? It was the shedding of his blood. Yes? Okay, so let's, let's okay, precious, planned, beautiful, wow. Let's go back. And I want to, instead of Instead of looking at the whole thing, we have, we have read verse by verse through Acts chapter 1 and 2 to see the beginning. But I want to highlight with you how this thing kind of unfolded with just a handful of verses. And if you'll jot these down, probably these will be useful to you. We're going we're gonna to talk about it beginning on the day of Pentecost. So we're going to start at Acts chapter 1 verse 5. Then we'll go to verse 8. Then chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. In chapter 2, verses 22 to 24. In chapter 2, verses 36 to 38. And then we'll wind up at chapter 2 and verse 47. You ready, Hollywood? Ready. Okay, here we go. Everybody hang on. Okay? 
and, and as, he's, as he's reading it, I might throw a few things out there, but these are, these are scriptures you, you ought to be able to string together. Okay, go ahead. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Okay, stop right there. Oh, you already knew to. Okay, so when is this thing about to happen? We don't know, but it's happening in a few days, right? It's happening in a few days. Now remember, John's baptism was for what group of people? Acts 13, verse 24. For Israel, right? Who is this going to be for? This is going to be for all people. It's going to be for all people. So, but the thing's going to kick off right here. And then he tells us how it's going to be for all people. Because you say, wait a minute. Now, as I recall, Acts chapter 2, that's in Jerusalem. And yeah, there were Jews from every nation, but weren't any Gentiles involved in this. Not yet. But what does verse 8 say? But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Okay, so it's about to happen in a few days. Oh, and by the way, it's going to happen almost immediately. It's going to happen in Jerusalem. You're going to start there. You're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. It's going to include what group of people? Chapters 10 and 11, right? We're going to Cornelius and his house. We're going to the Gentiles. Okay, now, chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, is the coming of the Holy Spirit. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, church is coming. It's coming soon. It's coming with power. Now here it is. Boom, power. Wow. Now, what was being taught by inspiration of the Holy Spirit? This whole section, the whole lot of the sermon right there. But look at verses 22, 23, and 24. Can I get the gist of what this is about? Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, we have, take, we have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Okay, there's the whole story. Oh, guess what? You folks, you saw it. And God testified himself of Jesus and he used all these miracles, wonders, and signs. Talking about him, but what did you do? You rejected him. Not only did you reject him, but you with lawless hands have done what? You have crucified and put to death the son of God. But the thing is, you crucified him. Did he stay dead? No, he did not stay dead. He has been resurrected. Ooh, okay. Now verses 36, 37, 38. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so by, by power of the Holy Spirit, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you killed him. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, you did. And preach, preach, preach. Oh, we're convicted of the fact that we did, and now they are cut to the heart. And what do they say? What do we need to do about this? And then what does he do? Does he tell them or not tell them? He does tell them. And then as a result of what they are told, what then do they do? They act, right? They're convicted of their sin and they act in response to the gospel message that was preached to them. What they were told to do was to repent and be baptized. Is that what happened, verse 41? Yes, they did. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And then if you go down to verse 47, what happens? Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Ding, 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 ding. So when people were saved, 
When they obeyed the gospel, they had their sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. In response to the fact that we're guilty, then when that happened, what did the Lord do? He added them to the church. Uh, did you have to fill out like an information sheet and see uh, if you make enough money to be a part of the church? Or, huh? Voted in? Uh, any of that? No. Your entrance into the kingdom. Wait, isn't that what Jesus said he was going to establish, right? He was going to, he was going to establish his church. The gates of Hades aren't going to prevail against it, right? Nothing's going to stop it. It does come. Preaching is done by the power of the Holy Spirit. The message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ takes place. People are convicted. What do we do? They respond to the message that is given to them. As a result, they are saved, and the saved are added to the church. So in review, how did people become members of the New Testament church? Verse 37, what did they do? What do we need to do? Verse 38, what? Repent and be baptized. And then verse 47, what happened? They're added to the church. Is that simple or what? I had somebody come to my office one time. I am not joking. Straight right off of the street. Came to the secretary. Hey, I'd like to speak with uh, your preacher or whoever's here. Okay. Uh, yes. Hey, Ken, a uh, guy wants to talk to you. We're always suspicious about people that just walk off the street. They want something, of course. Well, yes, can I help you? Yes, I would like to know what I need to do to be saved. That about blew me away. Never had anybody just directly ask me like that. What do I need to do? Now, if you, if you ask certain people around, they'll tell you all kinds of things you'll not find right here. You know what I told him? I told him the same thing that Peter told those folks that asked the very same question on the day of Pentecost. Why would I respond that way? Because if you want to be saved and added to the church, then what's going to have to happen? You're going to have to obey the gospel. And he laid out the gospel, remember, in verses 22 to 24. He talked about Jesus. You crucified him, yeah, but he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected. What is the gospel? The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes? And then somehow that conversation resulted in what command for them to do? Verse 38, to repent and be baptized. What will that get you? The remission of your sins. What does remission of sins mean? The forgiveness of sins. If your sins are forgiven you, then what are you now? You were lost, now you are saved. And the saved are added to the, verse 47, the church. Yes, is this, is this hard to get? I don't, I don't think so. So, what was this church? And I was just going to just use a couple of terms that I hope are a little bit loaded for us in the sense that we're reminded of stuff that we've already considered. For one thing, what was the church? It was promised. Who promised it? Okay, thank you for saying it that way. Because Ephesians 1 takes us to what point in God's planning about us being in Christ before the foundation of the world, right? Not just the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is the coming together of all that God, the mechanism that God used throughout history to bring about the coming of the Christ, the seed, to fulfill the promise that was made to Abraham, right? Galatians 3, 16 to 18. So now that Christ has come, we can have salvation. All that was coming down to right there. But the plan of God was from before the foundation of the world. So it was promised, but very specifically, as though the apostles didn't even know it, Jesus says, on this rock that I'm the son of God, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of Hades are not going to prevail against it. So yes, God promised it, from before, planned from before the foundation of the world. It's, it's indicated as the promise to Abraham is made that in his seed, all of the nations of the earth are going to be what? Going to be blessed. So it's promised. It's also 
It's also purposed. The church is purposed. What is the purpose of the church? Okay, sort of to save souls. Uh, let, me, let me do it this way. What was the purpose of the ark? To provide a place wherein people could find their salvation. Okay, what was the purpose of blood-washed doorposts and lentil uh, when the ten plagues hit Egypt and the land of Goshen? If you're in that place, you are the saved, right? That place is blood-washed, okay? Now the church. People will say, give me Jesus, but forget the church. Now, I, I kind of get where they're, where they're probably coming from. Maybe they've had bad experience with institutions of church, whatever. But actually, that's kind of a, if, if you know anything about the scriptures, to talk that way is kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Because if you are in Christ, then what are you? <laughs> you, you, you are in the church. Uh, Some of us, well, okay, now that I've kind of been baptized, you know, how, how do I get into your church? That, that is not how that works. When you obey the gospel and you are in Christ, what are you? You are in the church. Who put you there? Jesus put you there. He put you there in response to your obedience to the gospel. When you had your sins washed away, they were washed away by the blood, which is also the very same thing that Acts 20 verse 28 said, does what? Purchases, it purchased the church, right? The blood. So if you are in Christ, you, you are just naturally in the church. I, I can't answer for people's experiences with churches that turn them off so badly that they say, yeah, I want Jesus, but I don't want the church. But clearly there is a disconnect, at least in that person's experience between the head and the body, yeah? Who wants to follow around a decapitated body? I don't. Do you want to be a part of a body that has no head? No. So if I'm in the church that has Christ as the head, I'm in a functioning living body. If my experience is otherwise, then I need to be asking questions, not about Jesus, but what? But about this so-called church <laughs> that I'm in. Yes, I should. I should. Yes, absolutely right. You, did you jump ahead on me? Yes, we're, but that's exactly right. The church, the church is the body, Colossians 1 verse 18, and also Ephesians 1 verses 22 and 23. You have to use two verses on that one. <laughs> okay, so then what, the church that exists today, then what is the church today? Here's what I'm going to say about that. The church today is the church of the New Testament. Wait, what do you mean it's the church of the New Testament? What I mean by the church existing today is that what, what we, are, we, we are presenting ourselves as is the church that you read about right here in the Bible. Not something that's been manipulated or changed over time. What we're striving to be is the church that existed in the first century being the church that is here today in the 21st century. So I say first century church reproduced in the 21st century. Wait, what do you mean reproduced. Do you know what Luke chapter 8 and verse 11 says? It's kind of a principle. The seed is what? The seed, this is the parable. And it's, of course, the, this comes from the parable of the sower, right? He's got the seed and he's planting all these soils. But don't miss this important point from this verse because th this is pretty well everything. The seed is the word of God. The idea is, if you will take the Word of God and plant that seed, what will come out of it? 
it will produce after its kind, right? So whatever I find in the scriptures, if I will plant that in a person, I ought to be able to have it come forth with what I found right there in the scriptures. Yes? Some years ago, they found an ancient granary, and I don't, I don't remember if it, it was actually inside one of the pyramids. I think it was, but they opened up this vault. They found seed for a plant that, at least from the story, had been extinct. Nobody even knew uh, where this seed came from. And so they concluded, well, this plant must have, you know, gone extinct. It no longer exists on planet Earth, except in this seed form right here. So you know what scientists do. So we got to plant this seed and see what happens, right? So they planted the seed and guess what happened? Out came this plant, or I'm sure they planted a bunch of them. I'm sure Luther's probably got some of those, but they planted all of these seeds. Out came a plant that had been extinct. But wait a minute. How is it that a seed that is so many hundreds or even thousands of years old can be planted that late and still bring forth after its original kind? Why, did, why is it able to do that? Because what is the biblical principle about plants? They produce after their own kind. What did you expect to get out of that seed? If it still has the germ of life in it, it is going to provide the same plant that it had in those ancient times. Yes, does that make sense? Okay, so you read in the first century about the church. You see all the things about it. If you plant the seed which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you plant the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in a heart, and it responds just as it did on the day of Pentecost, it says, whoa, I'm guilty. What do I need to do? Oh, repent and be baptized. If that person will do that, then what can happen to them? Verse 47 says that the Lord will do what? Wait, he'll add them to the church. What church? His church. The same church that you read about where? In the Bible, because the seed is just simply going according to its pattern. It's always going to produce the very thing that it came from. It's just built into it. Now, members of the church of Christ are different. Here's, here's one way. We're not, not Jews, okay? You read about that in the scripture. Some of them started out as Jews, but when they obeyed the gospel, what happened to their Jewishness? They were no longer Jews. They were simply Christians. Uh, what about Gentiles? Whatever they were before, when they obeyed the gospel, the Lord added them to the church. They automatically became Christians. But a little bit later, you have all kinds of religious confusion out there. I'll also tell you that we are not Catholic. Historically, Catholicism was a derivative of the church. After years and years and years of manhandling and diversion from the scripture, another religious group developed, the Catholic church. We're not that. That is a derivative. I'm trying to go back where? Okay. Someone says, well, if you're not a Jew and you're not a Catholic you must be a Protestant. What is a Protestant? Oh, a little bit later, you ever heard of Martin Luther? Martin Luther came along and he became the catalyst by which a reformation developed. Nailed up his 95 theses. Catholic Church came along and said, hey, you know, you got sin, we need money. What we'll do is we'll kind of give you a right to sin if you'll give us enough money. They could buy indulgences. Martin Luther said, that is, that is not biblical. <laughs> it kind of amazes me. He says, that's not biblical. When so much other stuff that he undoubtedly was studying was not biblical either. However, here's the idea of reformation. What we'll do is we'll just kind of reform the thing. We'll get rid of the stuff that we think's not right. And we'll just kind of carry along with what we've got with some changes. Is that getting back to the original? No, it is not. I, I am not a Protestant either. What I want to do is, I hope what you want to do. I just want to do what we talked about right here. 
I want to see the first century church reproduced in the 21st century. Therefore, I'm not any one of these things. I'm just simply going to be a Christian. One who obeys the gospel, seeds been planted, respond to the gospel, have my sins washed away. And when I do that, the Lord will add me to not any number of a th- any one of a thousand churches. I will be a part of that one church that I find written about here in the scriptures. Now, why would a person take a position like that? I mean, I- I'm sure I know. I've shared this with people before who were we call them, quote unquote, our, our religious friends. And I get this deadpan look like, what a kook. What? Well, I'm not trying to be a kook. Because uh, here's some things. Uh, John chapter 8. You know this one? John chapter 8 and verse 32. What will the truth do for you? It will set you free. Set you free from what? Well, among other things, what we've been talking about right here, this truth is going to set you free from your sins. Absolutely. Okay. Um, men are going to be lost. Did you know that? For teaching a different gospel. I'm thinking about Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. Will you read that for us, Rick? Listen carefully to how terrifying this is for people who mishandle the gospel. You can. Galatians 1, 6 to 9. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ, unto another gospel, which is not another, but there is some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel, though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As he said before, so I say now, again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Okay. Do you see that? If you preach a gospel other than what had been delivered by the apostle, even an angel from heaven... You've probably never heard of such a thing. Someone says an angel came and brought tablets or whatnot. If it's different from what we have, guess what? No. Stew on this and we'll pick up here next week. The Bible is specific about the church. It says that there is only one. Well, let's go back to Jesus. How many did Jesus talk about? One. Ephesians 4 verse 4 says that there is one body. Ephesians 1 verses 22 and 23 says that that body is the church. And then that text that Luther brought up a moment ago, Colossians 1 verse 18. Just there's one verse that says that the church and the body, they're the same thing. You saw that relationship from Ephesians 5, did you not? Which is likened to a marriage relationship. Okay, we'll stop right here and pick up next week. Thank you for your attention. Let's have a prayer real quick, then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for your blessings today. Thank you for our time of study. Thank you for hearing us and our petitions. For those who are sick, we pray you'll bless us with safety tonight. For those who are traveling, we pray continued travel mercies and pray if it's your will that we'll use these coming days to your glory and further if it's your will, we look forward to being together on the first day of the week to assemble here to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for the blessings of this day and for all that is to come. In Jesus' name, amen.